Hello and welcome to the next episode of Pharmacast, the School of Pharmacy at Queen's University Belfast official podcast. This is the first podcast in our societal impact strand and I'm delighted to be joined by three very learned uh, and important people when it comes to sustainability both within the School of Pharmacy here and also across the university. So rather than me spending some time introducing everybody, um, I thought it would be a good idea for everybody here to introduce themselves. Um, so Naomi, if I can start with yourself, if you want to go ahead, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and whereabouts you're based in the university. So I'm Naomi Martin. I'm the environmental officer for uh, the sustainability team. And part of my role is looking at staff and student engagement programs and initiatives across the university. So I'm based over on main campus in the admin building, but um, I'm really out and about all the time, to be honest, because of the nature of the job. So I would look at things like the LEAF program in the labs. Um, we do carbon literacy training and we also would do a lot of biodiversity initiatives too. So tree planting, um, allotment training, things like that as well. So a bit of a mixed bag that I look at, but it's really good and I love my job. Excellent stuff. Colette, what about yourself? Uh, I'm Colette O'Hagan. I am a technician at the School of Pharmacy. Um, I've been working as closely as possible as I could amongst all my other duties with the sustainability team as well um, trying to embed some sustainability practices within the School of Pharmacy um, so, but my main, my main role would be a technician helping to look after a research group and also a master's course Excellent, thanks very much and last but by no means least, Ted, a little bit about yourself uh, Hi everyone, uh, I'm Ted Weaver um, I'm a final year pharmacy student here in my PhD uh, I do not have quite the accolades that these two have, um, but I'm trying my best. They've taken me under their wing for sustainability, and I'm essentially just trying to broadcast that to as many students and also to the staff population as well, if they're unaware. Um, yeah, that's what I'm doing here. You'll have your PhD soon, so you'll be oh. flying. Don't worry. <laughs> if, if everything goes right. <laughs> Fingers crossed for everybody. Okay, look, thanks very much. Um, look, there's obviously lots to talk about, and the hope here is that we'll have a, a number of podcasts with various different individuals across the university and within the school who are taking leading roles in sustainability and all of those good things. But anyway, I thought it would be a good idea, as this is the first podcast where we are speaking about sustainability and societal impact at a university and school level, could you, and this is a big question, I know, tell us a little bit about what's happening at a university level, particularly around sustainability. I know you've mentioned the LEAF programme and we hope to talk about that quite a bit um, today in, in the episode. But if you could give us a little bit of an overview of the sort of things that are happening and, and how that fits in with what we're doing here at the school. Uh, well, I guess the big elephant in the room is talking about net zero. So um, at the minute, the university is working towards their net zero strategy or climate management strategy, which is a really exciting name. But um, we're working with our consultants at the minute and started working with them in December 2022 to try and make this strategy. So the idea is that we will get an action plan set over a certain amount of years. So let's say we go for 2040 to be net zero by. That's the date. And then they will give us a cost for that date as well. So it's really exciting what's going on. Um, we also do a lot of just engagement stuff. So as part of the Net Zero campaign, we have um, done a lot of events like a staff event and a webinar, and we did a student summit as well. So it was really trying to engage with everybody in the university and get their opinions on how we reach Net Zero too. Um, so the student event was brilliant actually because students were able to give their opinions and voice concerns and everything and we had a number of panellists who were basically experts in the field and they could give 
the best way that we would reach net zero and how students could feel a bit more at ease about how we do it too as a university. So there's a lot going on and it's probably a lot to cover in just like five minutes of talking, but um, it's amazing and we're we're working really hard to get the, the strategy set in place now. So it's probably the last couple of weeks and then we'll find out our date and the costing to get to net zero as a university. Sure, sounds good. It's obviously something that's really important and something that a lot of organisations are working towards. So yeah, Queen's is no different than that. And it's great to have a team of you guys um, across over in the main site working on that and, and helping schools and, and, and more specifically laboratories on that as well. Yes, yeah. So we look at the LEAF programme, which is the Laboratory Efficiency Assessment Framework, quite a mouthful for a name, but um, it's brilliant because it's more so looking at sustainable behaviour change and embedding that within the labs rather than just doing a tick box exercise. So we had looked at the likes of Green Impact before and it didn't really work for the labs because it wasn't targeting criteria that fitted the labs. So the likes of looking at waste streams, seeing if your research is sustainable, you know, um, if people are all working towards sustainability as well within the labs. So that's why we like Leaf so much because it really does target that more so. And um, we originally had 12 labs do a pilot which started in September 2021. And that was actually Colette and um, Ted who were involved in that too. Um, and everybody achieved bronze from the pilot and now we're working towards getting lots more labs involved. So um, there's a faculty commitment from MHLS and it's uh, 33% of eligible labs achieving bronze by this summer. So that's why I've been contacting so many people. I'm trying to get people on board, like, please help us. We have a really big commitment to fill. So um, it's really hard work, but I, I really, really enjoy the LEAF program. Like it's probably my favorite part of my job, to be honest. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Um, so one thing that you'd mentioned there, and it might be just good for people who are listening and, and know maybe not as much about this or familiar with the lab work or sort of research science, you mentioned sustainable laboratories, sustainable laboratory work. Can you tell me just maybe in layman's terms what that really means? What sort of things you're thinking about and considering when it comes to sustainable laboratory work sort of more generally? Um, so a good uh, one that I always go to and a good example is the likes of looking at the waste. So there's a lot of single use plastics in the labs and people are very much in the habit of using one thing and chucking it out straight away. And it maybe goes to general waste or um, there, more recently we've been able to use the dry mix recyclable bin. So that is better recycling, but it's trying to get people into the habit of using different methods to do their research. So it's the likes of using reusable glass where possible and washing and rinsing things out rather than just using the single use plastic and chucking it after one use. Um, so that's... That's a basic example, but it's one that everybody can relate to in their households as well as in the labs. Yeah, absolutely. And if, you know, from experience of, of sort of previous roles and doing laboratory work, I know that things to do with solvents and sort of research chemicals is sort of a big part of that as well. Um, you know, there's a big drive, I think, in, in a lot of research labs across the university now to, to spend time working on ways to, to do things and to make chemicals without solvent or, or with sort of safer solvents that, yeah, you know, can be can be disposed of a little bit more safely and not you know not the sort of thing that we have to be you know in huge amounts of personal protective equipment and you know yeah taking lots of additional uh to lots of additional precautions with as well so look that's great i think that's given a really good overview in terms of what sustainability is what the university is doing more specifically and, and what really the point of all of this is in terms of making things work uh colette i'll shine the spotlight on you a little bit in terms of leaf a little bit more specifically from a, a school of pharmacy context um could you really tell us what leaf 
means in that context in terms of the school of pharmacy a little bit about how you've laid out in that pilot project the sort of things that you needed to do and get in place and people that you needed to whip into shape to get that that bronze and and kind of what your thoughts are and how to move forward with this as well within the school too i'm happy to say that i didn't really have to whip anybody into shape in the school of pharmacy we're really keen to get involved which is fantastic it made my job a lot easier <laughs> um yeah just kind of like uh springboarding off what naomi said um you know, when it comes to the School of Pharmacy in particular, I often think of things like, you know, fume hoods. We've got um, the the minus 20, minus 80 freezers, like the ultra low temperature freezers and things like this as well. And there's quite a lot of them around the School of Pharmacy. So um, even from that point of view, there was an awful lot of, I want to say low hanging fruit that could absolutely, you know, be addressed, even just recognizing that that is something that within the School of Pharmacy we use a lot of. So, um, so yes, we, we, the School of Pharmacy took part in the pilot for LEAF. And as part of that, there was four groups that signed up, or well, four lab spaces that signed up, let me say, um, of which Ted, who is here today, was a big part of for the Lampro Labs group. Um, yeah, the, the pilot itself went really well, I have to say. Um, there's, as part of the bronze criteria um, of LEAF, so, well, I should talk about, so yeah, LEAF is, in terms of pharmacy, LEAF was looking a lot at, um, yes, single-use plastics, although I have to say the good thing about LEAF and uh, the Bronze Award in particular was that it didn't specifically mention single-use plastics. So within the School of Pharmacy, we obviously have some of our colleagues in depart- uh, within the department that have to use single-use plastic. So it was actually a really accessible thing for, you know, the School of Pharmacy Labs to get on board with because it didn't exclude or villainize the people who perhaps are working with cells or whatever, you know, that has to um, work within certain, con- like, you know, uh, the confines of certain things. So um, it was really good. Bronze Award, there's 16, um, there were 16 points that had to be met in order to get the Bronze Award. Um, I'm happy to say that an awful lot of it most of our labs were already kind of fulfilling a lot of it's based on good lab practice um which was fantastic and i actually really enjoyed the fact that some of the criteria focused on the the people side of it so often people think of sustainability as you know energy use waste blah blah which it is don't get me wrong but having a good strong team having that bond and having that communication between the team is actually really important as well and ultimately it improves the quality of the research coming out of the labs so there was targets such as you know having regular team meetings outside of the lab that weren't necessarily to do with work things like that um so and that was really nice to see and i think that the labs that participated last year definitely benefited from that um and i know in lampro lab there is a at least once a month we take turns to make lunch for each other so that's <laughs> quite nice <laughs> added benefit i know come too yeah <laughs> especially with our international uh, students as well it's fantastic i feel like i'm getting to travel around the world whilst doing it Amazing. in a more sustainable way oh, without yeah, going exactly. on a flight plane um so yeah it was really good so all of our labs participating labs in the pilot scheme uh were successful and not only that I personally learned that a lot of our students, like Ted and many that were involved as well in the pilot, are really keen to get involved. You know, students and researchers and, you know, everybody's really aware of the the climate impact at the moment and, you know, the biodiversity emergency. Um, people are wanting to know that what they're doing isn't going to make that worse. Yeah. 
So I remember at the very start of LEAF, um, which was created by UCL um, and a guy, is it Martin Farley now? Yeah. Martin Farley. Um, he had done you know, a presentation to introduce us all to the idea. He's a technician over there. So um, he came out with a few facts and I remember the one that really stuck with me was that there is more scientific researchers alive and practicing today than there has been at any point in history collectively. Right. And that just shows how much the industry is growing, which is fantastic, obviously. But with that comes the responsibility of, you know, we need to make sure that we're, we're, ha- we're making research sustainable, not just for now, but for, you know, future generations and stuff as well. So um, it was really encouraging to see the students get invo- involved with that and be really keen to get involved. They want to feel proud of their work and know that they're not having a detrimental impact. So that was really positive. Um, as I say, everybody was very successful and I, I found it was a really good tool, not only for you know, improving sustainability within the lab, it also improved, from what I can tell, Ted will probably have a bit more knowledge of this on me in terms of the nitty gritty, but I think it improved the um, research quality, the, even like the financial viability, um, you know, it, it impacted quite a lot that perhaps initially wouldn't have necessarily been apparent. Yeah. So that was quite good. Okay, excellent. Um, Ted, that's probably a great time to bring you in uh, on, on LEAF and kind of down at the laboratory level, at the coalface, I guess, for want of a better expression. Um, so from the sort of staff and student perspective in the labs, um, under Colette and Naomi's guidance. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that meant for you? Um, Colette mentioned some of the things in terms of some of the more basic stuff that maybe isn't being done on a sort of more regular basis. What, When you're considering LEAF, you're trying to be more sustainable within the laboratory, what does that look like on a sort of day-to-day? What sort of things do you have to consider? What sort of challenges are there there in terms of getting your research jobs done too? Well, I think first and foremost, the actually being given the responsibility to look after sustainability is a massive thing for students. Um, Just making people aware that it is an issue that needs to be addressed. um, That's the the, the main focus that's come out for me. Uh, It's allowed me to talk to my colleagues, my, uh, you know, even my PI, my supervisor, about what it means to be a sustainable lab. Um, In terms of like day-to-day activities, it's become such a routine. Uh, Little things, you know, turning machines off when you don't need them making sure that if there's no samples in, in the autoclaves, it doesn't need to be on. It's small things like that that do just become routine. Um, our lab in particular doesn't have fume cupboards or anything, but they are a, a massive draw on power, energy. Um, so labs that do have them, it's such a big factor to consider that they're being used appropriately. Um, also really like small details such as you know labeling your samples, if you're leaving samples unlabeled in a fridge, in a freezer, you know, they can take up space, they can drain more energy if, if, if they're not being used and if, if no one clears them at the end as well. Um, Sit there for years, but exactly. nobody knows what like, it is. 25 yeah. years specifically. <laughs> we, we went into a lab and somebody was like, they've been sitting there for 25 years. And yeah. They're just not touched. Wow. We don't even know who they belong to. It's the like, vintage. oh, okay. But you, you just need someone to come along and be like, we need to change this. This, yeah. this can't be sitting there yeah. for 25 years. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really small things like that that do have a massive impact. Mm-hmm. You need someone going around making sure that you know, your freezers are actually shutting. They're not uh, you know, uh, becoming overcome with ice. 
it's there's the small things that you start with making people aware you know am i leaving this tap on too long yeah do it does it need to be am i using the right type of water uh yeah it's just the small things like that and portraying that to the other students as colette said it's it's making them think sustainably i think one of the biggest things as well is when students come here and they're given their initial induction mm -hmm. if you make them aware then yeah. and if they start those practices at the start they'll always do it sure rather than trying to force it on uh, force someone to change their habits you know a year into yeah. their degree that's such a big uh, big yeah. thing for me have um, you found that your fellow lab members have been receptive I, yeah, yeah i think they have i think it's needed some people have needed you know persuasion to do it mm -hmm. because they are so used to to being in their ways oh i've i've used my eppendorfs i can just throw them away yeah we don't like change. <laughs> yeah, they, people do not like change generally. So we're, we're just trying to portray that in a feasible way for them. Yeah. Great. Excellent. And yeah, look, I mean, I, th I don't think there's anybody out there who has worked in a lab and not opened the fridge and seen samples that are unlabeled or have always been there for the time that you've been in the lab and you kind of grow an emotional attachment to these samples that are <laughs> hanging out there. But and I think this is something... You know, I've been out of the lab for a while um, in my sort of current roles and you do think back to those times where fridges were rammed with samples that maybe didn't need to be there. It's things like airflow around those refrigerators that means that they have to work a little bit harder. There's a bigger power draw. That has a big impact on the amount of energy that the university is using. So, Even yeah. like as part of, you know, the pilot in School of Pharmacy, we created an exit, polo, uh, an exit protocol, okay. um, which... Then it's like a tick box exercise, <laughs> which is ironic. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you don't um, like them. I know. <laughs> Makes it as easy as possible for yeah. people who are moving on either yeah. to another department or leaving the university exactly. or whatever. Yeah. And it's so that they can sit with the supervisor of the lab sure. or a colleague and go through and they like right. I do have samples in here. They need to be kept for X, Y, Z length yeah. of time. But here is a person that I've designated that knows about it that will then be able to ha take charge of those samples. So simple things, it's really easy to do, but it's just having the protocols in place. That happens a lot in our lab because we've, we've got a lot of Erasmus or a lot of visiting students that are maybe only here for three, six months sure. a yeah. year. Yeah. And yeah, making, making them aware of what they need to do at the end rather than just leaving everything behind. Make sure if they need to keep it, someone knows about yeah. it. It comes back to the communication aspect. It's so important. Yeah, and I guess that ties in Kat, with what you had mentioned earlier on, which is there's obviously the sustainability bit and the positives there are enough, but yeah. it's those types of things that allow research labs to become more effective in terms of research as well, because if we have a visiting researcher leaving, there's a lot of unlabeled samples in the fridge or wherever else, and no one can take that work to follow on with it. Yeah, that's a problem. Absolutely. But if these things are labeled, then there's the benefit in terms of sustainability that we know those things can be disposed of. We know that they can be taken out of fridges if they need to be. But also, if you're looking for that that particular molecule or that particular sample yeah. to go and do some future work with, it's there and it's labeled, and there's a benefit Absolutely. there in terms of that. I I find that I think an awful lot of our waste, which is like literal waste and also financial waste, sure. within any uh, you know laboratory kind of setting I would imagine especially in a university where you have separate research groups yeah. that are all kind of working on their own research and sometimes even within one research group it's not known like you might have four people as a technician I place a lot of orders mm -hmm. you might have four people working very closely together ordering the same chemicals in bulk thinking it'll last them a while and then they're not getting used and, it's, and the, the, the communication just wasn't there to know 
oh, wait a wee minute, this is available, you're no longer using it, so rather than it going into the chemical dump once a year, sure, we we can make that available yeah, for everybody. Absolutely. Um, and Ted actually came up with a really good idea um, for that. Ted, you want to tell us about your idea? Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great initiative. Um, started actually, it's, well, it began originally with the, the, um, the graduate school. They set up a, a green fund to encourage labs around the university. I think, was it, was it just labs or is it... It, the green funds for everything. So um, it, if you have a green idea, basically, you come forward, you apply for a green funding and you can get up to £1,500 to implement this project or idea on campus. So the likes of um, Elms BT9 allotment mm-hmm. was a green fund idea initially from two students who had taken part in our environmental programme. Right. So that was started, I think, in 2019. And there's now six beds for growing veggies with um, the allotment team and then there's an orchard there's berries there's everything so it's just a really nice way of getting a bit of funding and a bit of help and support from us as well um to implement your idea on campus i love that if i was a student and i had moved into elms i'd have been well happy that there was a wee allotment yeah i think that's a really nice just even for well-being as well do you know what i mean well that's the thing right yeah. and, you know i think a lot of the sort of green fund projects and that i would have been kind of sort of loosely involved with you know back in the day whenever there were sort of earlier programs that people were getting involved in yet it generally made the environment nicer yeah. which is a good thing right it kind of sounds Absolutely. a bit obvious saying it but to be able to go out into the quad of the David Keir building for example and yep. there'd be nice flower beds and trees being planted and yep. it's a nice place to sit and it's doing its bit for the environment as exactly. well you know, everyone's a winner so it's yeah it's great to hear that the university is supporting these and mm-hmm. ultimately these things do come down to funding in terms of making them work sometimes so it's good that there's a pot there so yeah ted you've been quite modest at the start of the podcast you were kind of <laughs> saying that you're you know new to this but yeah could you tell us a bit more about <laughs> the green funding that you got and what you did with that uh yeah well it, it st- still is in process it's unfortunately not yet completed okay. but um there's two aspects to it essentially um Colette was just mentioning about you know having a a wealth of unused chemicals that are just sitting there, um, and it's about making them available yeah. for people that may need them, so that they essentially don't need to keep ordering them or uh, you know them just sitting there and expiring. Sure. So um, yeah, we came up with the Queen's Chemical Collaboration, which is essentially going to start piloting with a little prototype um, within either the School of Pharmacy or specific labs still haven't decided exactly. Um, uh, possibly just with the teaching chemicals, but essentially making those resources available for any anyone to use, essentially. Mm-hmm. Meaning that if a certain practical requires this chemical, but that certain demonstrator doesn't have it, they wouldn't need to order it. They could just use it from the stockpile. Yeah. Um, not only would that reduce the chemical usage, uh, but it would also reduce supply chains uh, a lot of stress involved in ordering, as I'm sure you can tell, Colette. I'm not <laughs> me stressed? <laughs> no, never, never, never. Um, but I think it could be a very good initiative to try and start. Um, it also, you know, helps bring connections, make everything more available for mm-hmm. everyone. And I know certain people might be a bit hesitant to that, but um, at least you've got to start somewhere. So why not there? I think when they see the benefits of it, yeah. once it's kicked off as well, like we often see in the School of Pharmacy emails going around going, does anybody have any of this? And Absolutely. Yes. Often the problem is people don't really know what they've got. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think this would just have like an accessible, yeah. you know, database essentially for everybody to access. And I have to say, I know that um, 
I've been chatting to technicians, you know, throughout this faculty and mm. on this part of campus, and uh, which is very, um, you know, health and life sciences based. Um, there's a definite, you know, enthusiasm for it. You know, obviously we're starting off with the pilot and small scale in school of pharmacy, but you know, everybody's expecting it to be successful because everybody's like, this is a really good initiative, and it's something that there is an appetite out there for, even, you know on a larger scale in terms of, you know, within our faculty. Um, so I think it's it's very exciting. It's a fantastic, I mean, fantastic ha- ha- idea. Half the, half the chemicals that we use here would be applicable in School of Chemistry, School of mm-hmm. Biology. They, this could, if it worked here, it would definitely be something that could be rolled out, you know, university-wide to anyone with labs. Because um, I probably get an email every day um, say uh, with someone asking, has anyone got, got any of this? And if there was just a more efficient system, if there was a more official system as well, I think the school would really appreciate that. Yeah. Absolutely. So it could be something that um, would be successful. Yeah. And it's certainly not one of those things as well to come back to doing the job, even if you take sustainability out of it. How dare I say that? But if you do, it makes <laughs> no, doing you're your right. job a little bit more easy. You Absolutely. Know, there is, you know... That's it, the thing. Sustainability is often... Correct, it, yeah. It makes sense, yeah. you know? And Okay, yes, everybody, you'll get people who perhaps... Uh, are a little adverse to the term sustainability, let's say, <laughs> um, and need perhaps a little bit more persuading. But as you say, the improvements to the lab quality, the improvements to communication, you know, it, it makes sense. Nothing is being imposed on somebody that's going to make their reach worse or make their lives harder. Absolutely. You know, this is stuff that really makes sense to do. Yeah, I mean, there's that financial aspect too of ordering chemicals that are already there that are going unused, that are, you know, maybe have a couple of years left in expiry. I mean, I think, you know, another conversation goes by where there's the term supply chain shortage is not mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. So if My you're gosh, looking yes. for a chemical <laughs> and it's out of stock with a supplier... Are we allowed to mention Brexit on this? No. Probably not. <laughs> it's very controversial. Um, but, you know, there, there are multiple reasons why... Mm-hmm. You know, th- and things, as we know, when you're dealing with chemicals and you're dealing with reagents, they can just go short and a batch can go bad during yeah. manufacture. And that then means, well, that could put a halt to your research project for Absolutely. an indeterminate an indep- amount of time. Yeah, I was placing orders for master's uh, projects, Yeah, it, you know, last July, start of July, end of June. Mm-hmm. And only now are they starting yeah. to trickle through. Yeah. So, I mean, those students are gone. <laughs> and in a so. lot of cases, you know, the amount or the quantity of, of that chemical that you need to make something work is, is tiny. You yeah. know, but yeah. you're ordering in yeah. a, a significantly larger amount of that to kind of make things work. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like a thing as well for, for, for going back to the financial aspect for early stage researchers, you know, recently promoted from postdoc or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, they obviously don't have the money to be playing around with ordering this 500 pound bottle of something yeah, if, they, if they only need you know 10 mil yeah why not just have a have a, yeah. a, a way of getting a little bit yeah. and potentially you know starting a collaboration with them as well you know i don't know half the <clears throat> half the people here but it would be a way of getting to know them and an introduction. This is it. And if they're using a chemical that could be particularly niche that you have, yeah. there's probably some connection in the research yeah, there, sure. you know, at least very loosely, and that's dark conversation. So, yeah, I mean, there's, it's very difficult to see how this is not a positive thing. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, I'm glad, I'm I love glad it. we've won you over there, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like such a good project. Very pro-sustainability yeah. anyway, but it's <laughs> good to find out even more reasons why it's a good thing. And it's, again, and it's a reason why I think these podcasts are so important is because, 
it's good to hear about things that are being done mm-hmm. and you know uh, initiatives like this that are going to be really really important but that do need you know support and that others can yeah. really learn from and implement as well and there's there's a lot of benefit to that i guess to kind of as we move towards concluding this particular podcast it'd be good to hear all of your thoughts and opinions on what the future of all of this is so we've had the pilot of leaf we've talked about labs getting bronze um awards and those what does leaf look like whenever it gets rolled out full time what does a silver or a gold award look like what do you think and Naomi maybe you'd be able to comment on this better than most potentially it doesn't need to be the official line but (laughs) you know what do you think how do you move forward to take this to the next level yeah so I mentioned earlier about the faculty commitment from MHLS so as that rolls out it starts at 33% 66 100% so that is potentially by summer 2025 a hundred percent of eligible labs within Queens have gained a bronze award. Sure. So I say eligible because currently the criteria only fits wet labs or like biochemistry labs. Gotcha. So the likes of our maths and physics labs wouldn't necessarily fit all of the criteria. So whenever there is more criteria that comes in and UCL are working on that right now, then that means all of the labs will be able to apply for LEAF um awards and um obviously fill that out then and hopefully meet the criteria within their labs so um i know that there's a lot of work on our end that needs to be done so it's not just the labs because you've talked about supply chains things like that waste as well is a big issue because we need to be putting pressure on our contractors to be able to recycle more and um single-use plastics we need to be able to um you know do better things with those but supply chains particularly we need to be putting pressure on our suppliers as queen's university to say you need to reduce your carbon emissions you need to do this you need to do that you know we want to be as carbon neutral as possible rolling out leaf in the future so um it's there's a lot of work to be done and it's not going to be very easy to do it but we're really keen to do it as well and I know that there's already labs asking about doing silver and we're like please calm down like, <laughs> we need to do stuff that's on our end before you get that's to Ted. silver <laughs> <laughs> but we do encourage it we would love sure. to see yeah. like we want 100% gold yeah, in absolutely. Queens I think that would be absolutely amazing to get that but it is going to take a wee bit of work to do that too always the way yeah well, within the school of pharmacy I have to say we so it was 33% was the mm-hmm. faculty target. Yep. And given the labs that have signed up for this year as well, we're now sitting at 69%. Yep. Wow. So Great. that shows you just how keen yeah. people are, it's you know. Brilliant. So um, so that's fantastic to see. So hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully it'll make your life a little bit easier then in terms of... Uh, yeah. yeah. A, <laughs> a key part of the, the equation. I have to say, you had mentioned carbon literacy earlier and um, I... Uh, attended one of those courses and it was fantastic and I think things like that you know other courses that uh, staff and students can attend will definitely heighten the enthusiasm so that's that's really good um, and Ted Collette I guess from a school of pharmacy perspective you know, you know he's done a great job of giving an overview of where the university sees this moving given your experience of LEAF so far in the school and it's great that people have been really enthusiastic about it what do you think the next stages for us what's the next level what do you think people are going to start to be doing to make our sustainability even more sustainable well i I mean even without the um the official sanctioning of silver i think it's still we may as well start addressing the points because yeah there may not yet be the tangible award of it but getting people to start those practices anyway there's absolutely no harm to it so i've just started asking i did a little presentation on tuesday um essentially telling them what the criteria were for silver. Um, 
and so hopefully people will start doing that you know i'll start doing a few audits yeah. things like that but definitely the future's bright you know at least our lab i i'm not so sure yet um the in-depths of other labs but our lab have definitely sunk the message into them <laughs> yeah <laughs> brilliant <laughs> and uh, and the the pi Professor Lampro was really on board with it as well. Yeah, he's very on board. He's facilitating he's, an awful lot of it, which is great. you know, happy enough to fund projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our freezers was underperforming because it was a bit old. Yeah. Started icing over and he was like, we're going to source one from a uh, from a re- renewable company, essentially a green company. Great. Um, so that that's not only, yeah, it, it costs money in the short term, <laughs> but over the long term, things like that. Do you imagine they pay for themselves, right? Yeah. I, have a, I have a dream. I have a dream. Um, <laughs> that, uh, What's in dream for? The university, in, you know, in general, but also, you know, the School of Pharmacy and this faculty in particular could be a part of, is that when students come for their inductions, they are given a sustainability, not a lecture, but, you know, like a, there's an induction sure. there and that's done for everybody. Yeah. So I actually done my master's with the natural the school of natural and built environment and that's something that they done and they just had everybody who was coming in for their course and they talked about the research that was being done within the department um on this front and things like that now obviously some people might think oh well you know school of pharmacy what what can they do that's going to help you know globally net zero but actually there's so much potential out there and i think having the first introduction of students coming into the school to be this is our focus, you know, our research is needs to be sustainable, it needs to be tackling these problems and encouraging and helping helping, you know, the you know, the the patients, the the people in society sure, achieve yeah, this as yeah. well is really, really important. Um so I actually think Ted's been quite modest right now. <laughs> he wrote <laughs> he's been uh, he delivered a speech at a conference recently in England which was uh, universities and industry and it was all based on sustainability within wow. was it within the pharmacy industry or not really um, everything but Ted went over and talked Amazing. about sustainability within the pharmacy industry yeah. Yeah. and he's written a paper as well yeah. oh with you well, I, I had a small contribution <laughs> um, so you know getting the message out there that it is achievable Ted you work with um, microfluidics and yes and uh, 3D printing 3D printing yeah um, so talking about even on the nitty gritty level, yeah. you know, you're, you're working with this, the emerging technologies of the future in terms of pharmacy and sustainability is something you should be thinking about from, you know, the moment of conception. Yeah. So, and I think getting that message embedded from the very beginning will only encourage, you know, there's a bit of a, a shortage in terms of sustainability research out there. Yeah. So it will only encourage people to embed that into their practices. So in the School of Pharmacy, it would be great to see more papers coming out, even if, it's on a general level or on somebody's specific research in terms of sustainable practices within that. I think it'd be really nice to see like a a research paper where they've drawn like particular interest to being a sustainable process. Yeah. Yeah, For me, that would like actually show they've thought about the process. They haven't gone the easy way necessarily, Mm -hmm. but they've, they've thought, I want to make this sustainable. Let's do it. Absolutely. So that's, that's on the school. That's the dream. That's the dream. We'll, we'll, Try and you know poke, poke the poke the school and see. Let's make this a reality, please. <laughs> well, look, I think um, all it's there for me to do is to say 
thank you very much to the three of you. Um, it's been a, a really interesting discussion. I've learned quite a lot from, from all of you in terms of what's happening. It, it's good to know that there is that support from a university level and the schools is making you know sort of great inroads into, into being more sustainable or more than it has been and to kind of take that forward um, in future years. So I think this has been a great first podcast of our societal impact theme. Um, we will probably hear from each of you again at podcasts in the future when we hear about more projects that are going on, how we've achieved our gold leaf status as that starts to come through and all of those things as well. So yeah, again, thank you very much to, to Naomi, to Colette and to Ted for their time today. Thanks very much to all of you for listening and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks very much for now.